This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love my HBCU and man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot. Yeah. And who's about? about? So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, sir. and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Cavill with Inside HBCU Sports Lab. I know this is an HBCU yeah. show, but I figured I would just represent nope. for the city of Houston for a minute and make sure that people are aware, you know, particularly yeah. for my son, uh, Jafers Kenyatta Cavill II, as he's a baseball player. He won a championship last night. Now, it was just Missouri City championship, but hey, it made sense that Houston Astros closed out and won the World Series, so shout out to Dusty Baker. Uh, yeah, he finally got in one, and I know a lot of folks uh, yeah. in the governance structure, if you would, were excited to see uh, that he was able to get it done. So even though this is an HBCU sports show, I thought we start out representing a little bit. That's a shout out to my son, Jacobs Kenyatta Cavill II, uh, as he got a chance coming from the Jackson State Tech Southern game, which he was fired up. He came in there. We came in early. He walked the streets. With his dad, we found out that we had a park. He was not excited about walking back to make sure we could park behind the stadium <laughs> first class. This son is spoiled. Uh, Uncle Bishop has been tricking him to follow the Sonic Boom. So he lost his mind, got into the suite, and heard the band, the Sonic Boom. He literally fell out. He fell out on the floor. I was like, uh, Uncle Charles Bishop can no longer be around because he's influenced my son. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how he, he every time I wake up, whispering over there, hey, how you doing? Now I understand what is going on. And uh, I'm heartbroken. 
I'm officially heartbroken. So I thought I was just leave you off for that. Uh, we'll find out which. I will take that. Exactly. We'll find mm. out Thursday which band he selected as winning that marching sport uh, phenomenon. I will say this: uh, Texas Southern came in, and in terms of that zero quarter, yeah, they won that. But we'll talk a little deeper in yeah. terms of halftime show, and then obviously the fifth quarter in terms of what took place there. Uh, we have everybody here. Welcome to episode 327 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast, the show that's covering the HBCU sporting diaspora, all things HBCU sports, from institutions large and small, from the NIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and the business of HBCU sports. We simply call it HBCU sports pedagogy. I'm your host. Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. And we're filming from our home studios. With that being said, you know we have the guest lecturers with us. That is none other than Joshua Sims as he tries to write his camera to make sure he's ready to go. I think he's still excited because not only did his Eagles win homecoming <laughs> yeah, in fine fashion, putting up uh, two quarters, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms of 50-piece chicken and wings. Basket. I'm not going to say who the chicken belongs to because they have a different philosophy of chicken on that side of the country than we do we over do. here. We do, Doc. We do, <laughs> But it's Doc. all good because he's <laughs> getting those chicks. Uh, I don't know if it's twice a week or once a month, but we'll find out. I don't want to get too far in the man's pocket. Then we have guest lecturer A.D. Drew. Uh, we also see B.J. Jones. He shows up. He'll be able to break down some matchup yesterday because he was all on the scene getting into it. He told you going into it what must happen, and we'll be back into it as a lot's going on as the crew is here. Obviously, Charles Bishop continues to smile, and let me just go ahead and bring it out now. Here's your champ, your, your uh, I almost said championship. I guess they got a little more work to do that, but here's your game uh, cigar that you can smoke in terms of that. Thankfully, uh, he continues to get a gun, and you see Mike Washington was out there doing his thing uh, as he's moving around. With that being said, Today's episode of Inside the HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THC Agency. THC Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. With that being said, let me quickly go around. Uh, let's get in this first segment. Uh, go to you, Charles Bishop. What was your biggest takeaway after week number nine, Thursday, Friday, Saturday matchups? Uh, biggest takeaway, I mean, the SWAC West is uh, topsy-turvy. I mean, uh, we don't know week to week what's going to happen. It's going to be fun watching it uh, going down the stretch. Uh, shout out to Fort Valley. Big big win yesterday. I think those are two of my biggest takes yesterday. And then now, look who is in control of the MEAC. So <laughs> we got all that going on. We got a, yeah. a nice little gumbo going down the stretch of exciting HBCU football action. Looking forward to uh, talking about the rest, of, the rest of the week going forward. Let me go back to this and circle back before I go to everybody real quick. Charles mentioned to it, and I'll do this after each person's analysis, starting with the MEAC breakdown. Uh, starting at the bottom. Think about this. This is at the bottom after three or four games played through the conference. South Carolina State is in the sixth spot at one and two. They are tied with Morgan State Bears, who they lost to head-to-head one and two, along with Norfolk State Spartans that are also one and two in terms of the conference race. Delaware State uh, is was sitting in what would be the third position at two and two. Howard Bison, 
fall from the number one spot as everybody couldn't believe coming into the weekend with a big matchup. Held their own early, but it quickly got out of hand before the end of that matchup. And again, we'll break it down a little more later in the show. But they're in the second spot at two and one. And the North Carolina Central Eagles, three and one. Joshua Sims, you can smile at this time. Uh, you don't have to uh, have to uh, yeah. yeah. Look at I'm all 32. I'm, I'm, tr- hey, I'm trying. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Yeah. Just not just to hold my excitement in until I got to say something. I got you, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> so I got you right now. Let me go to you and just say what were the big takeaways for you this weekend? Quick. Yeah, Doc, man. Um, uh, Thank you. But, uh, man, obviously, first thing being, man, uh, a phenomenal homecoming, man. No problems inside of the city of Durham. Um, no issues inside of campus or around campus, man, uh, which is always a plus for homecoming. But I, I've got to give a shout out to the 50,000 plus people that came and kind of swarmed on campus this weekend. This was the first time in, in three years, Doc, and I cannot understate this. Last year, we only had homecoming at 50 percent capacity. The year before that, we didn't have homecoming. And honestly, the year before that, we really didn't have homecoming the way we normally would. Uh, in 2019 so this is the first time that we had our real homecoming back and man the stadium was packed it was it was bonkers in there yesterday man and shout out to uh the entire North Carolina Central football team I don't want to specifically call out just one person but I will say maybe it's Richard for Walter Payton uh I will slide that in there maybe it's Richard for the Walter Payton uh and then also man uh shout out to Dale State man um Listen, man, I, that was a game nobody knew. It was in Orangeburg. Nobody knew what was going to happen in that game. So I got to give a shout-out to Dell State and how they played. And then just my last shout-out, Doc, is to my beautiful daughter. Today is her birthday. It's her second birthday happy today. Birthday. My beautiful daughter, Jahari Sims, man. So happy birthday, sweetheart. And daddy will see you in a little bit. Happy birthday. There you go. I'm glad you got that on the record. Everybody will applaud you and say happy birthday. Good father. Good father. Great yes, father. Proud yes, father. Sir. I like that. And as you said, I must admit, I did call Delaware State Hornets on your Twitter You page. did. You I, did, I got that one right. A couple of other ones wrong, but I got that one right, so I was shouting <laughs> being said. Let me go up to my top dog, uh, Professor Washington, Michael Washington, uh, in terms of what were your big thoughts of this weekend? Yeah, so uh, because my father-in-law and my wife were here, they're from that, that Fort Valley, Warner Robins area. I gotta mm-hmm. give a sh- I, I gotta give a shout out to Fort Valley. Uh, the second thing is, I did call to- that one. <clears throat> I, I I I called that one, but I called it wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that that whole that whole side of family is let is letting me know. Uh, the second thing is, man, is it better to play FAMU at the beginning of the year or the end of the year because they they look strong. And then the, the, the third takeaway, I think, as CB put it, what the hell is going to happen? Does anybody want to come out the West? Uh, seriously, it's topsy-turvy. You don't know who does who wants it. So, <laughs> well, uh, well, we know we know one team, Mike, that's not coming out of the West, and that is the Golden Lions of Arkansas Pine Bluff, who are 0-6. Uh, not to belabor the point, Gremlin Tigers have quietly maybe snuck kind of in the race. They're at 2-4, to your point. Alcorn State Braves that many people buried for dead. They're at 500. They're at three and three. Southern Jaguars are at three and three. Texas Southern Tigers with their loss are also at three and three. And at top of the standings, if ever anybody wants to win it, Prairie View sits at four and two. So literally between those top five teams, there's a two-game 
uh, difference in terms of what's going on there. So as both you and Charles alluded to, it's going to be interesting these last two weeks going down the stretch to see what will happen. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about those games and where teams have to play and what may happen. But since I got that, let me go to B.J. Jones uh, to talk about his thoughts of this weekend. Oh, man, it started on uh, Wednesday, man. We got the upset victory by Mississippi Valley. And I, I almost I almost hit Mike up, man, because I fell asleep <laughs> during the game. And so I actually Valley? fell asleep. Valley? <laughs> man, I fell asleep during the game, and I woke up at 3 a.m., and they had the, the ESPNU replay on. And I was like, what? 34 to 14? Like, what? <laughs> and I'm just confused. Uh, and, and, and you sleep, he's like, hey, am I up? Am I, yeah, I saw you tweeted that. I thought that was pretty cool. Man, <laughs> and then Friday, man, I turned into the biggest Alcorn State fan uh, in America, man. I, I even went out and purchased a headdress. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I was doing all the chop. I'm talking about this. War dance, all of it, man. I hate and, that chop, man. Man, and, and all he of would have thought delivered. the Atlanta Braves was still in the World Series. Yeah, man. You, hey. And, and, and then yesterday, man, you know, my Jags, man, they, it's hollow what it is, man. They laid an egg. Um, get inside mm-hmm. the red zone, man, which walked away with three field goals, which should have been three touchdowns, and that made all the difference in the world. And a lot of people are asking themselves about quarterback play. Mm. Um, mm. That quarterback play has continued to rear its ugly head. Uh, we're talking about 61 yards passing uh, from the starter on yesterday. Uh, you had the backup come in and throw two passes and threw for half as many yards. Um, and just two passes. <laughs> um, so, man, it, it, uh, it, it was a, a up and down and frustrating day. And the killer part about it, somehow, some way, we're still in it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's the amazing part of it. Uh, he had an interception in there as well that set up another touchdown that kind of stretched the game away and took it away from him. But great points when you talk about that. That was similar to the Alcorn game where you thought Prairie View was just getting dusted, but they the Braves mm-hmm. kept in the game as they would bend but don't break. Literally, I guess you would say, yeah. they allowed Alcorn to put up three field goals uh, the first half and came back and took the lead. Then an extra point was missed, but I, I'll leave that alone because somebody called him Money Reds, and then all of a sudden I keep hearing these other names. But I, I'll leave it alone. I don't want yeah. to pick on young folks. They they, they are college folks. So I'm not going to use what the nickname put out there. I'm not going to put that in the ether. That's not right. Exactly. With that being said, let me go to AD Drew for the last comments of the day. Before I do that, this will make Charles smile. Mississippi Valley, uh, as B.J. Jones alluded to, has gotten their first win in the conference win, one and five. Bethune-Cookman. Wildcats fall as they were in that game as they've done all year long for two, three quarters, but cannot close, it seems. They are fall to two and four in the conference race. Alabama A&M Bulldogs that lost the Valley are three and three. Alabama State, surprising many people, are at four and two. They just continue to find a way to win. They're six and three overall, just to give you an indication. FAMU, after... Losing their first two, including the Jackson State, where everybody just tried to figure out how Jackson State decided just to dump Trump them as they are uh, continue to win. FAMU is at 5-1. and one. And Jackson State Titans are undefeated, 6-0 in the conference race. And since they're undefeated, I'll throw in the overall record at 9-0. So they hay is out of the barn there, and they're playing some good football. 80 Drew, what's on your mind? I know you were 
at Tuskegee. No, Doc, just stop. Working. Doc, did you see that look on Charles' face? When I was went, just about to say that. <laughs> did you see I, that look? I refuse. Did you? He was like, he was all. He's sitting there like this. He's sitting there like this. Like, <laughs> and then he go, and then he, he goes talking shit. City Classic, Fort Valley, and uh, Albany State. That was the game that I went to on yesterday. Uh, great game. And you were cheating and watching the Miles Tuskegee game. My fault. Oh, I, I, I was trying to watch the Miles of Tuskegee game, but had to rely more on live stats because there were so many people there in the stadium, 27,000 people. Well, let, let me let me correct that, Drew, because uh, you can't admit on live TV that you had the phone there watching the game because you were doing the stats. You don't want anybody to know that. So you're correct. No, you were not. You were no. fully engaged in the Fountain City Classic. You're correct. I was fully engaged. Please proceed. Doc, Doc I couldn't get, could get enough uh, bandwidth to get, any, to get <laughs> it, the video on my phone, so I had no choice but to follow the game right. via so live stats. Because of lack of trying, I got no. it. Yeah, and, and, the, and the commissioner was right there uh, over my shoulder while we while we were up there. And, you know, we had about two, three devices because he was monitoring uh, some of the games going on throughout the conference, uh, Commissioner uh, Anthony Holloman. So he was very interested in the games also. Uh, going back to uh, Florida A&M. Florida A&M has not lost to another HBCU, not named Jackson State, since pre-pandemic. Just want, just want to throw that out there for everybody. Since pre-pandemic. Number th- my, my, my next point is... Let's go back to August, and my Nostradamus, uh, my Nostradamus in me had me call this. I said, "You did." Everybody you did. in the act was gonna have a loss. They do. I said, "Everybody in the Swack West, the best record you're gonna get is six and two. Everybody uh-huh. is already taking care of the two part. Now we need to see if somebody gets to the six part." So. You did. The only yeah, thing that I hate about that is it did not work on the Powerball, though. I have not figured that part of the formula out. But when it comes to football, I've got that mostly right. <laughs> Good point. Before we go in this break, great opening comments. Uh, Big South, want to get a shout-out to the Aggies because they're doing yeah. their thing. I know, uh, Josh, since you don't use that terminology, uh, <laughs> but we're going to show the Aggies some love here. Robert Morris, Colonials, uh, 0-4. Brian Bulldogs are one and three. Charleston Southern Buccaneers are two and two. Campbell Fighting Camels are two and two. Uh, Gardner Webb Bulldogs are three and zero, oh, and they're tied in first place with North Carolina A&T Aggies that are three and zero. Oh, and that game comes up in a couple of weeks, so we'll see if Aggies continue to roll can find a way to close out the Big South as champions of the conference and head to the playoffs, and then have the debate on whether they are better than Jackson State because you know they'll find a way to jump in that. <laughs> as Charles will, <laughs> smiles at that as well, <laughs> along with many others. We don't have to worry about Tennessee State anymore, your other rival over there in the Southern Heritage class. Not only will y'all not play them in the Classic any longer, um, they also will not have to worry about playing in the playoffs because they're in trouble in terms of the way they lost to Southeast Missouri, and that pretty much closes that chapter. We will keep you up 
with Tennessee State, and it's another year where they just cannot find a way to get it done. Also, Hampton, they started off really well. They've hit the Colonial part of their schedule, and they fall to one and five in the conference race. They did keep it close yesterday, uh, but uh, they have only had that one win. I think it was their first Colonial game, and ever since then, it has not looked good. Let's get into our break, and since we're playing with uh, these gimmicks out here and showing you things, we'll do this from homecoming. That is Alpha Phi Alpha, Eta Gamma Chapter. Uh, BJ Jones will be nice to you unless you put something out there. You know, be nice to be nice to the alphas out here. Don't, don't get a you know. We, we, we. <laughs> <laughs> this is Doctor Mills inside the HBC Sports Lab. We'll be right back after this break. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit getvaccineanswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. The analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside HBC Sports Lab, and the fellas are back. Let's get into it in terms of some of these mid-major matchups. The big one, we kind of. T- Teased out this a little bit. Columbus, Georgia, A.J. McClung Memorial Stadium. That is the Fountain City Classic, SIEC East Division. Uh, rivalries were on the staking off. So a little bit about the playoff. Number seven, Fort Valley State. Wildcats get it done. Finally against Albany. Eight and two overall as they improve to five and two in the conference. They defeat number three, Albany State Golden Rams. Uh, seven and three, five and two. 31 to 21. I'm not sure if it was that close in terms of the final. Let me go to A.D. Drew as he was in the mix uh, watching that go down. What are your thoughts in terms of that matchup? 
Well, this is a secret that I have not revealed, but uh, I've done four Albany State games this year. Albany State has had a problem stopping the run this year. Mm-hmm. And when you have a back by the name of Emmanuel Wilson, who wound up today with 221 yards, it was exposed on yesterday that they've had trouble stopping the run all season long. Uh, the, the big difference in the game, fellas, was turnovers. Albany State had two untimely turnovers uh, compared to Fort Valley having no turnovers. And when the game got down the stretch in crunch time, they gave the ball to Wilson to close the game out when Albany State had cut the score to 24-21. They just let Wilson close the game out, put the ball in, put the ball in his belly, and he took him down on that final touchdown drive to uh, seal the game for Fort Valley. Yeah. Great comments. Yeah. Great breakdown. If I may add, I'm going to give a nickname to this game, and I'm going to call it Double. First down, Fort Valley, 20. Albany <laughs> State, 11. Double. Total yards, 207, 86. Rounded up, double. <laughs> A- average per rush, six yards, three yards, double. <laughs> yards gained, 236 to 100. Double. You see where I'm going with this? Double, double. You look down the stats, double. Yards per total yards, 415 to 208. That's that new map, double. So I'm going to call this game double. Uh, Fort Valley doubled the input of whatever Albany State brought to the field. Include Oh, oh turnovers, double. Yeah, so you, you just walk down there, just call it double. You know, that's my nickname for this. Fort Valley brought it to the Rams. I don't know what kind of efficiency uh, issues Albany State had, but kudos to, to Manuel Wilson, especially with the 220 yards, but that overall offense for uh, Fort Valley. Hey, Drew, let me class. ask this question. Let me ask this question. How wide is the gulf between Benedict and the rest of the conference? I think Benedict in the SIAC is the equivalent to Jackson State in the SWAC. That's yep. just that's the that's the best as I could put it. Offensively, okay. there are teams that could probably compete with Benedict, maybe have slightly better offenses, but I don't I haven't seen anyone defensively who can top what Benedict is doing defensively, kind of similar with Jackson State. Offensively, you've got teams who can compete with them, but defensively there's no comparison. Nope. I got you. Great question. Let me lead back into Charles with the Langston game, Glendale, Arizona. Number eight Langston falls to seven and two, six and two as they do their stock market up and down over the last three or four weeks. Uh, they lose to Arizona Christian Firestorm that uh, improves to six and three, five and three. The score of the game was nine to seven. Charles Bishop, what were your thoughts in terms of this matchup? Yeah, this is going to be a tough one that uh, Langston's going to uh, hate that they let get away. Uh, uh, they had a, a two touchdown lead going into the fourth quarter. And Arizona Christian slow walking down there in the fourth quarter and was able to get this win. And when you take a look at it, Arizona Christian in the fourth quarter had drives, uh, extended drives, 12 plays and 10 plays to, to get this victory uh, over uh, Langston. But that's a tough one. Anytime you give up four-quarter leads, uh, you have players of the caliber of Larry Harrington that can lead you back. Unfortunately, Langston in the fourth quarter had a couple of three and outs, and then they close out the game with an interception. So tough one to lose on the road where they had things in hand. Yeah, it's a tough one. That pretty much does it probably for the playoff hopes, uh, which is, makes it even uglier the second year in a row. Langston uh, starts <laughs> out really hot and cannot get it done at the end. 
I'm sure they'll do some reevaluation because the prior program down there still playing some good football in terms of being in the top 10. It's a tough way to end the season. Uh, Joshua Sims, let's get into this uh, CIAA matchup between rivals, number two Virginia Union Panthers. Can they bounce back? Yes, they do. Nine and one overall, seven and one defeats number seven Virginia State Trojans that fall to six and four to conclude the uh, inaugural season of Dr. Henry Frazier III uh, yeah. as they fall in the conference race to five and three and six and four, as I said, overall. They lose the game uh, as Virginia wins it 33 to 21. What are your thoughts on this matchup, Joshua Sims? Yeah, man, the big question going into yesterday was exactly as you said it, Doc. Um, can Virginia Union bounce back after that uh, that <laughs> undeniably disappointing loss to Chuan the week prior? And, and they did, man. Um, they, they played fairly well yesterday, obviously did what they do, controlled the ground game yesterday. Um, Virginia State, man, uh, you know, Coach, Coach Frazier is obviously back to the drawing board this offseason. Gets a chance to get another recruiting class in. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Virginia Union looks like, um, you know, kind of going forward. How do they fall as it pertains to the – where will they fall as it pertains to the playoff situation? Um, I know A.D. Drew has got much more of a uh, insight on how that possibly could look. Um, and then, obviously, as we're going into the CIAA championship with Chuan and Fayetteville State, uh, we'll see how Virginia Union ends up panning out in that kind of sequence. But – Great game yesterday, man. 33-21, man. You can't ask them to kind of bounce back even better. In a rivalry game, of course, biggest rivalry in with the HBCUs in the state of Virginia. I've always said Virginia Union, Virginia State is a huge, huge rivalry. So, uh, and, and obviously, as always, shout out to Jaden Byers on, on just a great regular season, man. And hopefully we get a chance to see that kid in, in the postseason as well. Exactly. I'm glad you brought yeah. up Jaden Byers because yeah. he's done it all year long. See if he yeah. can come home with that. Hey, um, I, I, I have another question for A.D. Drew since uh, – so you got Fayetteville State back in the championship. Then you got Shawan this year. You look at the last 10 years, it's e- the champion has either been teams named Bowie State, Virginia Union, or Virginia State. Fayetteville has been in the championship, and everybody gets hyped up on Fayetteville <clears throat> State. And on paper, they look like the best team this year. What say ye, Brother Drew, this year, another year where Fayetteville State – is in the, it looks like it's going to a championship. What do you say? Early on, pretty, pretty bridesmaid dresses. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All these sorority sisters have uh got married. Uh, if you're a Fayetteville State, uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't help that one. Yeah, but, yeah, yes, the favorite say, you know, it's it's funny though. Oh, Bryce Witt. Probably, arguably, the best or the second best quarterback uh, in the CIAA during his four years at Shawan. Never had a defense to go with that offense. Now, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Shawan has a defense, yep. and their offense is average at best. Mm-hmm. So, it, 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 it it's going to be interesting. Let's be real. Everybody's pulling for Fayetteville State. You know, yep. I'm gonna break it down later on tonight on the BCSN Sports Wrap. But all right, all right. can Fayetteville State get it? Yes, they can. That, okay, all right. Good one. Good one. Great we question should. in terms of Mike with the follow up and great answer, AD Drew. Let's get in our final team that we're gonna break down. SIEC game of the week was not necessarily a game, but it's supposed to be a rival. We'll see if it turns that way over the years. Pretty much that way on the basketball court, but maybe not so far on the football court. Uh, as Allen, to their credit, has just brought back football, and the number one team is the Benedict Tigers, uh, as they were on the road, but they did not stop 
getting done what they've done all year long. They improved to 10 and 0, 7 0 in terms of conference rate as they defeat Allen Yellow Jackets that fall to 4 and 6, uh, 54 to 21. BJ Jones, what were your thoughts in terms of this matchup? Benedict started off kind of slow. Um, you saw Allen um, early uh, putting up a lot of fight, man. When I tuned into the game, Allen had just gotten a turnover inside of uh, the 15 yard line. It looked like Allen had an opportunity to, you know, to kind of um, extend that lead a little bit. In the very next play, they throw that interception and Benedict completely flips the field. And from that point on, man, it was just Benedict doing what Benedict does. And the good thing, the thing that I enjoy watching about Benedict, we always talk about the offensive line up under Coach uh, Chinnis Berry, but their defensive line, the way that they can get to you with four, they don't have to blitz much. Uh, those four defensive linemen, man, they 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 can eat. And, and they do it all game. They do it all game. And they got a, a guy, a kid on the back end that might be he, – he's a young sophomore, but he's one of the best cover corners that you're going to see um, at any level, uh, HBCU Division two or not. So, man, the, the future is bright for Benedict. And you look at this football team, ain't a lot of seniors on this football team. This looks like something that Coach Tennis Bear is building for the long haul. Great points, great points made by all of you all. Let's take our second break as we get into halftime. Marching Sport, we'll get into it, come back on the other side. We're going to break down some major division and give you some games to watch this week as we get into it. Stick with us. We'll be back after this break. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. Yeah. It's like a loop machine. All around town, trying to get down. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team if they wanna love laugh and read about ball ball. So listen to Professor Yesler and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. Hey, this is not that was supposed to be in the break, uh, but I probably sneak out a little bit. Yeah, that was for the governor's structure. Uh, we'll keep it like that. While we're talking about this, Texas Southern University Sport Management Team and the School of Communication, where I have a joint appointment over there. Shout out to Meek Sullivan as he is in front of his pitcher holding the World Series championship. He is a media guy that covers the Astros and flies around with them a lot of times as he's a designated uh, media person in regards to that. Doing well. Shout out to him. Congratulations. Texas Southern University's very own 
uh, in terms of what he does. Used to do some writing for me for the Big Ben and some of my other HBC sports before he graduated, as they say, to uh, the other side in regards to bigger and better. I want to be careful how we coin that because some people think about that in terms of HBCU sports. But in terms of the professional league, I'll put it that way. With that being said, let's get into some of these major division matchups. We'll start with that Friday night lights game uh, with uh, Prairie View having a chance to really make a statement in terms of controlling maybe the Western division, particularly now that uh, we know the history as things played out. But Prairie View and them in terms of Prairie View, Texas, Panthers Stadium at Blackshear Field, Alcorn State finds a way to bring it up with a first-time backup freshman quarterback. They went four and five, three and three, as they defeat number four Prairie View and Panthers five and four that fall to four and two in the conference race, twenty-three to sixteen that went to overtime. Michael Washington, what do you say as you watched it from the suite? Oh, did I say it? Yeah, we watched it from the suite, and I was we. mad. <laughs> yeah, we. <laughs> so. I was mad because no, there were no drinks in there, and I needed alcohol by the time we got to the second quarter. And it, I, <laughs> no, uh, Trey Lawrence played played a decent game, but we made he Trey mad because he didn't have his bottle of wine. The first That's time right. we sweet, we got we got the sweet. Let me tell this story about you boys. Does y'all oh, man, you know Mike Watt? You gonna tell us? If story? you ever go anywhere with it, he likes wine, but do not allow anybody to put the wine in the ice. Cause he will flip out. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> I can't believe it, man. So, so I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be brief because I'm looking at Drew and uh, at my brother Drew, and I know we're on time. But for the for the most part, Prairie View had a chance to put this game away early. Too many mistakes. They uh, you know, Trey Lawrence played played a decent game. They allowed you know, they, they, and then Javion Howard he went over a thousand yards. But the thing of it, the, the offensive line for Alcorn bullied, and I say bullied, the defensive line of Prairie View. They could not stop number zero the whole night, arm tackling, whatever. I don't think that they were gang tackling. So that's one piece. The other things were met, uh, mistakes. Wide open passes, drop, bread basket passes. There, there, were, there were two passes at least where wide receivers dropped the ball, and they could have still been running right now. So – uh, missed extra point attempts, uh, penalties out the yin yang. They, I think there was one series that Prairie View had back to back to back false start. Uh, and in and, and the corporate world, we have this thing called operational discipline, and that's the function of your offense. And for whatever reason, just making simple mistakes, uh, Prairie View let this game get out of hand. Alcorn had they, they came to play, I'll give them credit, but. Prairie View had an opportunity. Let's give Alcorn all due credit because, I mean, their yeah. D-line and their O-line was on point. But Prairie View just yeah. did not – they did not bring it, and they made too many mistakes that just left the game in Alcorn's hand. Uh, even the last to the Braves, yeah. I would say three things and, and leave it at that in terms of untimely penalties. Uh, second thing is special teams. Third thing is dropped ball. I just won. That's one everybody wow. saw, but throughout the game. And I'll leave it at that <laughs> in terms of the matchup. Let me slide in here with this Greensboro, North Carolina AT before I go to the rest of the fellas to break down some of these other games. This is at Truist Stadium, number five, North Carolina AT State Aggie, six and three, as they proved to that over the season. State at three and three, three and zero 
as we talked about earlier, is this was a non-conference game now. Uh, defeat Norfolk State Spartans that fall to one and eight, remain at one and two in the conference race, 49 to 24. But the biggest thing about this game was coming into third quarter after Norfolk scored, it was 28-21 with 10-27 left in the game. And a lot of folks were like, hey, man, what the, what's going on? <laughs> mm. But other than that, credit to A&T because when everything was finished, they dominated the game, particularly in that fourth quarter to close things out, where they seem to get stronger uh, as they've done over the last couple of weeks, including what they how they finished against Campbell to give them much credit. And they improved to 49-24. Big-time matchup there. Let's go to this orange Berg, South Carolina, another overtime game. Alumni Stadium homecoming, MEAC, Saturday. Uh, number nine, Delaware State Hornets shocked the world in a lot of ways. I called it. Five and four, two and two, defeat South Carolina State Bulldogs that lose their second conference game in a row. We'll tell you why that means more than what you may think. As South Carolina State Bulldogs fall to three and six, guaranteed a losing season after coming off the National Black College Championship, fall to one and two in the conference race, more importantly. The final score was 27 to 24 in overtime. Drew, what are your thoughts in terms of what took place in this matchup in Orangeburg, South Carolina? Tell the two halves there, my brother. Tell the two halves. Delaware State dominated the first half. South Carolina State dominated the second half. Henceforth, we were tied. At the end of the two halves, they had to take the game into overtime in which Delaware State was able to win it on a field goal. I Until a few moments ago, I did not really look at the stats, but the telling stat to me out of everything that, that I saw was over. South Carolina State, 0 for 8 on third down, 0 for 1 on fourth down. Can't win too many ball games when you go over that key down. Uh, Delaware State was nine for seventeen, just just for comparison. And one one other thing I want to uh, pull out: when when are people gonna realize shut Shaq down? Just shut Shaq down. South Carolina State, one hundred eighty-two receiving yards. Shaq Davis had 87 of those receiving yards and one touchdown. Three receptions yeah. for 87 and one touchdown. Yeah. Eliminate Shaq Davis, you beat South Carolina State. So just just, just put that out there. They've got two games remaining on their schedule for those last two defensive coordinators. Figure away. Uh, to your point, I think the problem is, is everybody in the league, probably everybody in the world now knows that. And you can shut him down, but you can't shut him down for a whole game. And no, you cannot. A problem. He is a done. pro. Easier said they than done. made a catch for that touchdown you talked about that was utterly ridiculous when you saw it happen. You could not believe it, and you could not wait for the replay to verify what you thought you saw with your eyes. So you're exactly right, Drew. Everybody in the world knows, this, including these coaches, but he is a problem. With that being said, great <laughs> breakdown in the analysis. Let's get into this next one and go to Joshua Sims Sr. Uh, as he alluded to how excited he was for homecoming. But break this down game for us. Durham, North Carolina, O'Kelly, O'Kelly Riddick Stadium, I should say, homecoming. That was number three, North Carolina Central Eagles. Improved to seven and two, three and one in the race. And now have a command, commanding spot in control. Can they hold it? Defeating Howard Bison, who fought a three and six, two and one. They thought they were maybe ascending and taking the next step, and they then they go to what Mike Washington says, Howard, Howard, 
I'm not even going to get with Joshua Sins. I'm going to let him talk about the Eagles because what he says about the Bison are not right. Yeah. They win 50 yeah. to 21. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, Doc. I mean, honestly, this is the truth, man. I do. I have some very <laughs> vicious things to say about Howard um, and just <laughs> overall. But uh, much appreciation for them showing up to homecoming yesterday, man. I appreciate them actually coming there and being on time and, you know, being out there warming up and everything, man. I appreciate you guys uh, from the bottom of my heart, from us to the Mecca. We appreciate you guys showing up. Uh, but as it pertains to the game yesterday, Doc, it was very evident from the beginning of the game that we were looking to make a statement. First series, we get a three and out. We get the ball back. We score on the first play from scrimmage on offense yesterday. 70 yards. 70 yards to EJ Hicks. The ensuing kickoff, we get a safety. We go up nine to nothing. And from there on, man, it just looked like we were piling it on, man. And as as I've said, as all great teams, as good as your defense is going to be, they're going to be. But your team flows through your quarterback play. And Davius Richard yesterday played as lights out as we've seen him play all season long. 13 of 21 yesterday for 281 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. And then he sprinkled in two rushing touchdowns as well. He broke a 66-yard rush yesterday on on him. He ran out of gas a little bit at the three-yard line. But, I mean, you talk about a masterful, masterful uh, combination yesterday of that young man. I mean, it was, this was amazing, man. It was great to see that kid kind of play his, his best and most fluid game yesterday. And then I just want to give a quick shout-out to our special teams yesterday. Listen, uh, we've had a rough go at it this year on special teams as it pertains to kickoff. Um, you know, we gave up another kickoff return yesterday. But our kicker was lights out yesterday. Adrian Olivo, 6-6 uh, six of six on extra points yesterday, 2-2 two of two on field goals yesterday, hit a 43-yarder, a 36-yarder yesterday. I mean, the kid played lights out yesterday. After two weeks ago, you know, we jumped on him because of how he played against South Carolina State and missed two field goals. But he played great yesterday. It was lights out. And, man, just shout out to Eagle Nation, man. Uh, Cam Newton was in the building yesterday. Killer Cam was there yesterday. So, it was a great day. For curiosity curiosity purposes, uh, is there anyone in the swag we can compare Davis Richard to? No. I can. In terms of a team, and I'll do that after you break down this game, Charles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in Houston, Texas, PNC Stadium. Number mm-hmm. one, Jack State Tigers, 9-0, 6-0 in terms of the conference rates. Defeats number 10, Texas Southern Tigers, 4-5, 3 3-4. 41-14 was the final there. What were your thoughts in that matchup? Yeah, I, I think the big thing coming out of this game uh, is the play of Sibion Wilkerson. Uh, you can try to take away uh, Shador Sanders in terms of uh, dropping eight and things of that nature. Uh, Shador is going to, you know, Take, take what you give him underneath. I, I think, you know, sometimes when he tries to push the ball downfield, he has a tendency to hold hold football a little bit too long. But uh, if he takes what he's given, you know, he's going to continuously get his, you know, 70%, you know, completion rate, uh, things of that nature. But uh, Sibion adds another dimension to this offense. And yesterday he rushed for over 200 yards, ran through a bunch of tackles. He is such a hard runner. And then when we talk about this all the time with regards to him, he's a complete back. He can run in between the tackles, he can bounce it outside, and then he catches the ball out of the backfield. So he gives you that triple threat uh, with regards to uh, Jackson State's offense. And then defensively, uh, for a change, you know, uh, the little chink yesterday, they gave up a touchdown in the third quarter, first time all season that they've given up a, a touchdown in the third quarter. And it gave the illusion of, of uh, a game that was still <laughs> – 
in the balance. The score was 21-14. And then uh, Jackson State was able to answer with some uh, touchdowns there in uh, in the third quarter and subsequently in the fourth quarter they were able to put it away. But, you know, I I think sometimes you kind of take a look at the the theme of dominate, dominate. And when a team uh, is is still relatively close, we, we lose sight of how good this Jackson State football team is because uh, even when they're not playing their best game, they're still extremely potent. They're still really, really good. So, so that's some of the things you kind of have to keep in mind with Jackson State. Charles Bishop, you, you, you got to be careful just because folks don't celebrate Jackson State like Jackson State fans. Uh, <laughs> and y'all that y'all that robbery to some folks, um, it's not because they don't understand that Jackson State is good. We, it's obvious unless you're a blind man that Jackson State is good. I will say this. Um, mm. while a lot of the fans probably want to see Southern just because of the robbery and they would like to think that they, maybe they can beat Southern uh, for the second time or Southern fans would love to find a way to dethrone Jackson State in the championship game, I would imagine the team that you'd want to see uh, in that matchup would be Prairie because you asked what quarterback is similar to uh, Darius Rich in terms of the swag play. And I want to see what Sims thinks about this. Uh, in terms of overall teams and how they play, I think the two teams that play schematically like North Carolina Central is Texas Southern and Prairie. Prairie. What the yeah. caveat is, is North Carolina Central has a better defense than both those teams. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. Bingo. North Carolina Central has a better quarterback, in my opinion, than both those teams. And that hates me because I, I love what everybody is. But I think yeah. that Richardson is more accurate than yeah. – um, Obviously, Andrew Body, and is a better uh, passer sure. than Prairie Quarterback. So, Conley in terms of matchup. So, in schematically going. how they do it, I think uh, Prairie View has a better running game uh, than that. But because Trayvon is not quite the pocket passer that you need coming out of the style that he plays gives people a problem, and their defense doesn't help them much. But those are the things schematically, I think, when you talk about what does that look like, and it's going to be fascinating to say because I think Central has a better defense, and you saw what the defense was able to least uh, keep um, Texas Southern in that game in regards to making them not have the big plays uh, as Dua is very sharp about taking what he gives. Um, even if that means running the ball and taking your time to slice you and nick you up to make you feel that you're in the game, but then they end up dump trucking you later. Joshua Sims, any thought on it? Yeah, man, that, I was just going just in 15 seconds, man. That actually was a, a really good comparative uh, um, kind Thank of you. comparison. Um, you know, just yeah, absolutely. Just from that, pers- you know, and even you know, kind of how you know sequentially they put together drives is very similar. Uh, Prairie View on the offensive side puts together drives very similar to how we put together drives. Yep. Um, it's, it's it's situational football that kind of makes the difference uh, between us and maybe a Prairie View where, you know, by having a Davius Richard who has the ability, I mean, let's be honest, he's 65, he's a 65% completion passer this season. He's much more accurate, you know, and we've seen him kind of grow and progress as he's been there at Central um, where it is inside of the red zone. Uh, Prairie View is a little bit more balanced than we are. Uh, we we sometimes overthink inside of the red zone, which is uh, a little bit uh, ridiculous. And and I'm not gonna go on a tangent about that. But uh, what I will say is, uh, Charles, 
if you're looking for a comparison to try to get an early look for Atlanta, I'm not going to give it to you. That's all I got to say. <laughs> hey, hey, Josh, I'm, I'm going to help you out because Jackson State fans are already looking at Phil. I already know. And they're yeah. trying to get that roundabout, like, who is similar to Central? Oh, so yeah. I, I, yeah. I, 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 just for conversation. Just for conversation. Hey, look, Charles, and look, what I will say real quick, my last point, Dr. Cavill, is this is going to be a really, really good game. I, I really want people to get out of the thought of what they saw for us against Campbell and what they saw for us against South Carolina State. Those were two games where we that was an anomaly of a team. That was not our regular team. What you're going to see and what you've seen here thus, uh, you know, lately and what you're going to see throughout the rest of the stretch is who we really are. And if you look at that, Shador Sanders in that offense against our defense and Davius Richard in our offense against the Jackson State defense is going to be a very, very good game. If you haven't already got you a ticket to Atlanta, I'm giving you guys the push. Go ahead and buy your ticket to Atlanta. Go on and get your hotel. We're going to be in the building, baby. Eagle Pride, we're looking to knock off them Tigers. We got to take care of business next week first, though. I'm sorry. The other thing I will say about that matchup is South Carolina – I mean, uh, North Carolina Central, like South Carolina State – and the MEAC in general is not going to come in there with a lack of confidence. What I nope. think is important, and you don't see that from not. Prairie View. You of don't see not. that from Prairie View or Texas yeah. Southern. They come in with a different level of confidence. Different level. Not yeah. sure. exactly. as, the as last well thing should. I would say. Well the should. last thing I would say on this is I certainly elevate the coaching staff mm. of North Carolina Central over both Texas Southern yeah. and Prairie View. And that, I hate to say that because I'm connected to both institutions. Yep. With that being said, before we get out of there. Uh, I'm going to go to B.J. Jones to talk about this game in Tallahassee, Bragg Memorial, where he can talk about uh, – y'all talk about all these matchups you want to. Southern's still sneaking around that chicken. Yeah. Let some things fall their way, uh, and they're going to hurt everybody's feelings. With that being said, number two Florida and the Rattlers that are looking to see if they can find uh, another spot in terms of the playoffs. And there's still one game out. So if just the world falls apart, um, they can still find a way to be in a championship game hosting it. As <laughs> crazy as that may sound, as they defeat number seven Southern Jaguars five and four, three and three. You talking about the schedule getting you this year? Uh, two rivals on the road, back to back games. Interesting as they fall thirty to sixteen. What are your thoughts on this, BJ Jones? Our biggest thing is that Southern was able to get into the red zone um, three times in the first half and only came away with three field goals. Yep. Um, and, and had untimely uh, penalties. And if you're a Southern fan, you got to be worried about the quarterback position. In the last two weeks, um, a quarterback has completed way less than 40% of his passes for about 168 yards. That ain't going to get it done over a two-game stretch against the likes of Jackson State and the likes of FAMU. Uh, Southern fans will love to see Jackson State again. But if you ask Southern fans, would you like to see Jackson State again with 11 at under center? We'll probably tell you no. And we'll probably, we'll, 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 I, we will tell you no. I'm just going to tell you no. No, not with 11 under center. No. He said not um, no, but hell no. No, no. Um, you, you look at it and what's up, Chuck? What you got, Chuck? Well, I don't know. Just two, three weeks ago, 11 was okay. What happened? Um. From from a coaching standpoint, I look at everything from a process-oriented business. I don't care what the end result looked like. Uh, process-oriented. I was off the 11th train after Texas Southern, and there's, there's yeah. nothing that he did after that that convinced me otherwise. 
uh, when the announcers know that you are a one read guy, and when that one read isn't there, you're looking to run and, and looking to run and not keep your eyes down the field. Yeah, he said it all. So right long. Wow, yeah. It's only going to take so long before the defensive coordinators and the swag to figure that out. Uh, anyway, and wherever his head turns, that's where the ball's going. It ain't going yeah. nowhere else. It's going wherever his, his, his head turns. So, I, I, you know, uh, defensively, you saw the, the defense get worn down. Yesterday they played solid in the first half. They played very erratic late in the second half because they were tired. Uh, and you saw that same thing play out um, against Jackson State. Uh, rough year. Um, tell people, man, relax. They know everybody upset with head coach Eric Dooley. This is a four-win football team a year ago. Potentially, this could be a seven-win football team. We're talking about an increase of three years. I mean, three wins year over year. Just give us some time. Um, you know, this is only year one of Eric Dooley, so everyone's kind of relax a little bit. Yeah, we stressed on this segment. It was really good. We're gonna play it out. It was so good. Um, before we close the show, I, I want to talk about some key matchups. Next week, if you have one, I think a big one is out there, and I can get all your thoughts on that in terms of what it looks like everybody else is playing out. The reason we're starting to kind of talk about what it may look like for the celebration mode, uh, you're talking about North Carolina Central combined record of the teams as they finish out with Norfolk State and then Tennessee Tech would be – they would be three and five in terms of where they are in their conference play right now, but four and uh, – 14 overall in terms of that record. Jackson State combined record, their teams are 6-6 six and six and 7-11 and 11 overall as they finish out their schedule. That doesn't include, obviously, the SWAC that will have a championship game. And the three teams that are likely to find their way in that um, will just be over 500, 6-5 and five at worst, and probably at best 7-4 to close out the season in terms yeah. of that matchup. So that gives you an indication of what's left next in terms of getting ready for the Celebration Bowl and what is likely as things come down the stretch. The matchup that I have this weekend that I think will be interesting is going to be in the East Division, which is Alabama State hosting FAMU, which both teams are playing really well going down the stretch. Alabama State has won three straight games. FAMU has won seven straight games. Uh, FAMU comes in at 7-2 and two overall. Alabama State comes in at 6-3. and three. Um, five and one, four and two, <clears throat> respectively, for those teams. This is a nice matchup in terms of the Eastern Division to see who will finish essentially second, um, and certainly to see if fam you can at least stay on the trajectory, trajectory of putting themselves in a position to have serious conversation about whether they can get a large bid to the playoffs. So I'm fascinated with this matchup. Let me go around with everybody that's left in here to say. What are your thoughts in terms of the matchup since that seems to be the big game? And we stretched out that great last segment a little bit into this. So let me stick with it, give a quick break, and we'll come back on the other side and answer that question. Eddie, Drew, give me a break, and we'll come back to finalize the show and get that analysis in from everybody. It's like a loop machine. Thank you guys for what you do 
for HBCU athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN. So we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN. We really appreciate what it is that you got, you guys do for us. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna lock you up. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. Dr. Bill's inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington as he is back on assignment. He has to skip out of here as he broke it down. He said he'll tell you his thoughts on Tuesday in regards to this matchup. Later this week, if not Thursday, but with that, we still have the football gurus. We have my cohort, my teammate now, Charles Bishop, even though he wears those other colors at Jack State. We all got our grad school degrees at Texas Southern University, so we're on the same team that way. So Jack State, I don't blame it. And I want to give a shout out to those uh, Jackson State fans that came down here and gave me some love, man. I appreciate you all. I hear y'all are riding the bus back, checking us out and breaking it down. And let me tell y'all, y'all represent quite well and do your thing with quite pride. Uh, I love the way y'all go about your business, about celebrating your team uh, in that. Obviously, you're going to have some folks that are just crazy and go off the rail. But the large percentage of Jackson State fans are the best in terms of that. There are a couple of other great HBC fan sets but I wanted to give y'all some official shout out for that. Get back to it as we close out on this last segment. As we told you, we're going to break down this Alabama State game versus FAMU, um, a rivalry that people really don't realize because of the distance. Used to go back to the SIEC days for a while, play off and on. But this is the type of rivalry where t- uh, fans get into it because they can travel to both schools and really uh, get into some motion. So this one will be one that grows over the years. And now it means something in terms of the record. So I'm fascinated about what this looks like. I'll save you for last, Charles, uh, just because uh, of the matchup in a lot of ways. But I'm going to go with A.D. Drew first. No, I'm going to save you too, A.D. Drew, because you're connected with the school there. So I'm going to go to Joshua Sims on the outside. Let me know what are your thoughts in terms of this matchup. Yeah, man. Uh, from my perspective, Doc, this is stop number two on the FAMU to the FCS playoffs tour. Um, stop one was this week, uh, with this past week against Southern, you know, to try to make a case for them to go to the FCS playoffs. This is stop number two. Uh, this is the second game in in that kind of streak of games that'll kind of make their resume look a little stronger to be able to get to what I consider to be the consolation prize, which is making FCS playoffs. The the big prize is, is getting to the celebration ball. I mean, let's be honest. Um, and, and I'm gonna be honest, doc. Could you imagine how this would have looked next season 
without the the structure of the two sides and the two best teams in the SWAC end up going to the championship. I mean, this would have made this week, these weeks even better when you have a possibility with the possibility of there having been a rematch in the SWAC championship between Jackson state and FAMU. So I think this is the last year that, that fam gets a chance to kind of improve that resume to kind of get to that consolation prize. As I see them beating Alabama state, but I don't think it's going to be a runaway. It's going to be a close ball game. Good points, good points. BJ Jones, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Well, I'll tell you what, man. The Hornets have been pointing towards this ball game. This is going to be they're going to get a, a nice crowd for this. Um, there's a lot of uh, intermingling of the fan bases between uh, Alabama State and Florida A and M, uh, particularly amongst the marching bands. Um, did not know that, uh, but the creator of the Mighty Marching Hornets is from FAMU. Um, so there's a lot of similarities in the bands there, and. It's going to be a lot of tailgating. Uh, there's going to be a great crowd down in Montgomery. I'm actually going down. Uh, old SIAC rivals. And this is a game that Bama State is fired up for. And this, this is usually one of the ones where Bama State jumps up and gets somebody. Mm-hmm. And I can see that happening with the way that they play defensively. Uh, we're talking about um, uh, the linebacker that they have down there, uh, Bubba, that's currently leading the league in, in tackles. Uh, this is going to be an interesting ball game. My only question is, Who's gonna cover Xavier Smith? Mm. He's different. He's different, man. They put him in the slot, man. He, he's he's different. Um, I I'm leaning fam you, but I think this one's gonna be very very close. Good one, Charles. I see you want to jump in here. Go ahead. Well, it. I think I think that's the that's the matchup when you take a look at uh, Alabama State's secondary because they have big long athletic corners going up against uh, FAMU's receivers. And I think that's where everything, you know, where the rubber hits the road in regards to can FAMU throw the ball downfield because I like Alabama State's defense. They do a great job, I think, of uh, of stopping run. Like you said, Bubba flies around all over the place in terms of making tackles. Uh, it leads to swag in, in tackles. But uh, can Alabama State get any offense in this game? That's the thing that uh, is going to be huge for me. Can they score? on his family defense, because I think that Alabama State defense is up to the task, but can they get any offense? I like what you said there, because that was my thoughts. Can they get the offense? Let me go to A.D. Drew. What are your thoughts in terms of this matchup for you? Look, this crowd will only be second to the Jackson State crowd for a homecoming there in Montgomery. This The ride from Tallahassee to Montgomery is shorter than the ride from Tallahassee to Orlando for the uh oh for the uh Florida Classic. Just want just want to keep that in mind for for everybody. Got large got a decent alumni base in Montgomery, decent alumni base in Birmingham, but for the Atlanta alumni base, it's only it's only a two hour ride, two and a half hour ride to Montgomery. So I'm expecting a large crowd, a large sea of orange and green. There in Montgomery. Now, on the football field, the question is, whose offense is going to be able to put together some type of consistency? Because both these teams play great defenses, but their offenses and their offensive play calling for both these teams have left, left me suspect all season long. Mm. Ooh, good comments, good comments. I'll start talking about this. Obviously, you could argue that the Western Division has five teams still in the race just in terms of the distance between the teams. Uh, In the East, mathematically, uh, there are three teams in the – well, two teams in the race uh, because Jackson State beat Alabama State. They got two, and they had the head-to-head loss. So uh, even if they went out, it doesn't help them in terms of 
uh, that race. So it's a one-team race. So uh, essentially at the end of the night, Jackson State could have blocked this up based on what goes next week in terms of East after all is said. So that would be fascinating. So that means for many teams, it's time to get to what uh, Charles Bishop talks about basketball. And some teams <laughs> don't have a chance in basketball. So it's really for you to start looking at your schedule for next year as the smack <laughs> schedule rotates. So you can start looking and figuring out who you play next year. One of the things we are hearing that I'll put out here now is that FAMU and Jackson State will probably move to November. So that's something interesting. Obviously, Tennessee oh, State oh, right. and Jackson State uh, will fall off the schedule to see what that looks like. The Southern Jackson State will go to Birmingham for a SWAC Classic. It will not count in the standings. Uh, so those are things to start to start to look at and fascinating to see as what are the scheduling matrix and mixes look like. I think FAMU goes to Texas and switch off on a schedule there uh, in the state of Texas. So that will be intriguing to see how that happens. Because one thing I'll say about Prairie View, um, to the credit, they're getting it done and winning the game. Uh, but the scheduling really helped them to stay in the race uh, the last two years. So let's see what that happens as McDowell has another year, his first rooting class. But the schedule makes you start to change, and you're going to start to flip to see what this does to scheduling. And I think as now people are going to start to see when they give their swag pronostication at the beginning of the year for football, you need to consider the scheduling matrix. Yeah. And I told everybody coming into the season, what that may happen and what it may look like. And it's coming down to not just where your football team is, but how do they figure with the matrix in terms of giving them chances. So I wanted to put that out there and kind of close on that thought. Make sure that you check out the pregame show because they're going to continue to bring you all things uh, Jackson State as they seem to have their celebration tour uh, closing out. Uh, as they come back and try to get it done. They have some road games, some tough games uh, in terms of just being on the road to close out things, including with the rival. But it'll be yeah. fascinating to see what that looks like in terms of closing things out. Uh, then you have B.J. Jones on Tuesday with his top five Tuesday. Some teams lost in the top five, so it's going to be interesting to see how he turns it out. Obviously, on Tuesday, I release uh, right here on our show, Tuesday, uh, the top ten. Mid-major, major divisions, we start to turn to see uh, as we got these championship games and get closer to Division Two playoffs to see what that looks like. So make sure you check out A.D. Drew with his D2 writing, what he gets done. And talking about A.D. Drew, tune in tonight as he gets a deep dive with Brian and A.D. in terms of the sports wrap. And then as we go through the week after you check out B.J. Jones on his uh, Twitter on Tuesday night, make sure you tune in Wednesday to get a little more of it. Joshua Sims Sr., and it's, as I said, for a lot of folks, it's time to get to the hardwood. You can check out uh, basketball from HBCU protect perspective coming on Fridays, probably every other Friday, if not every Friday, and we'll give you some more information on what that looks like. Then you got Saturday with Carlos Brown, as he does a great down breaking him. We'll see if we can bring him over to the fold and kind of pick his brain this week. We'll see if we can get him in on Tuesday give you some updates of what he thinks very cerebral as he breaks things down. That's the record. Make sure you continue to check us out across the board on Black College Sports Network. We're going to be trying to do some surprises, continue to get some things. We teased out a little bit. The B.J. Jones or Joshua Sims are working on some things in the background. 
uh, just to break down some nuances and things like that. And don't be surprised if they sneak up and find somewhere that they have you even more in the ear than often. We'll see if we can get that done before we close out the season. If not, make sure you tune in next year because we're going to have big things coming to you. Thank you for listening to Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Make sure you share a podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Yadikaville, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from Inside the Lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, talking about Mike. Make sure you continue to check out the 1876 Sports and Culture Podcast as it drops every Tuesday. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Mills Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. We look forward to you next week as we discuss the latest in the news. And as I open up the show, let me shout out to Deuces again off the screen. He gave some love to his championship yesterday. In Hello, Deuce. Folks out there as we in the market. Astro, shout out to Dusty Baker getting it done of all what he's done to baseball. Couldn't happen to a better person. Very proud of what he was able to do to check that box off inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. That's Facebook, and YouTube on Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cabell. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles. Horse. A.D. Drew. Lecture. And from the football guru, Squack and Neak, as they give it to you like none other. Make sure you check it out, those titty spaces. You get me to come home here and talk a little different on the Twitter space than you normally see me on this space. <laughs> so if you want to see a different side of the professor as I go into my professor mode and give those F squared, Charles knows about this because he's he seen me in raw <laughs> effect. Check out Twitter space. You'll see a different side of Dr. Bill. It's like I'm in the lab office hours. <laughs> So uh-huh. different when you come to the office hours. Uh-huh. Just a little different. F squared in life, you know what we do. Check it out. Again, dismiss. Thank you all for all the love. We appreciate y'all. Mahalo. Man, great comments. Great-